As questions swirl about the origin of the pandemic, the media and bureaucratic health officials continue to say there's no scientific evidence that the virus... Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Emerged from a laboratory in Wuhan. Well, according to a pair of scientists in the Wall Street Journal, that's not the case. We'll take a look at the scientific argument for the lab leak theory in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. The science is something that was said so many times over the last 12 months, often by people who wanted you to be quiet, who wanted you to obey, do what you're told, don't ask too many questions. It's science, don't you see? Any, any problem you have with that is just one of your own understanding. Your betters, the elites, they know what the answers are to all these things. Even when they change their mind week to week, they still have the definitive truth. That's what you were supposed to believe. Well, as we've seen now with the lab leak thesis, among so many other areas of dispute over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, some of the loudest voices, some of the most prominent ones, were wrong over and over. And at least one of them, the little lab coat tyrant himself, Dr. Fauci, is out there now whining about his emails being taken out of context and mean things people are saying. Here he is. Am I, am I building you up to be... Uh, thicker skinned about this than you are. Are you actually worried about this new sort of re-upping of attacks on you? <clears throat> well, I- I'm concerned about that more because it's really very much an attack on science, I think, Rachel. The thread going through what's happening now is very much an anti-science approach. So that's a big, big difference. I mean, it is what it is. I'm a public figure. I'm going to take the arrows and the slings. But they're just... They're fabricated. Remember uh, that that line in Braveheart where the evil sheriff who murders William Wallace's wife says an attack on the king's guards is the same as an attack on the king himself before he murders an unarmed innocent woman. Um, Fauci here is kind of pulling a, a similar trick, isn't he? An attack, on, an attack on Fauci is the same as an attack on science. No, that's not true. In fact, because of this Wall Street Journal op-ed over the weekend, we have even more reason to believe the science was telling us something very different all along about where this virus came from, among other things. The science suggests, this Wall Street Journal op-ed says, that it came from not only a lab, but here you go, a, a Wuhan lab leak, and that there was manipulation of the virus as well. In fact, the reason the science suggests a lab leak is because lab manipulation, according to these two esteemed scientists, uh, is evident in the virus itself. Now, you get into a level of scientific understanding and expertise here that is not something the general public, including me, has. Let's be very clear about that. But the experts here are explaining it in a way that either they're correct or some other experts are going to have to come along and explain why, why they are not. Because if what they are saying is true, and these are esteemed scientists in the Wall Street Journal, 
if what they're saying is accurate, then it not only came from a lab, but the Chinese were manipulating this virus in those laboratory conditions to be more transmissible and perhaps even more lethal. Here's the quote. The most compelling reason to favor the, la uh, favor the lab leak hypothesis is firmly based in science. In particular, consider the genetic fingerprint of CoV-2, the novel coronavirus responsible for COVID-19. In gain of function research, a microbiologist can increase the lethality of a coronavirus enormously by splicing a special sequence into its genome at a prime location. Doing this leaves no trace of manipulation, but it alters the virus spike protein, rendering it easier for the virus to inject genetic material into the victim's cell. Since 1992, there have been at least 11 separate experiments adding a special sequence to the same location. The end result has always been supercharged viruses. Now, I, I get it. I had to read this op-ed multiple times, go through just to really understand everything that's being said here. This is real scientist stuff, right? Wear, wear two masks or maybe three is like nonsense bullcrap that people in the public health establishment have been foisting on you because the public is terrified and there's all the fear mongering and control. What these guys are talking about is sciency science, the real stuff that most folks don't know, don't understand. And this, this is just the reality of not being in this field, again, myself included. Uh, but they talk about CGG or double CGG is the genome pairing that increases virus lethality. And here's the thing about that. This COVID-19 virus has that genome pairing. And this is very, very unlikely. Think of it almost like a fingerprint. This is a, a an indicator in the actual virus itself that this didn't occur naturally. And they explain why. Now, the actual insertion may not be easy to find, meaning the, the, uh, the change itself in the virus or the, the act of changing, but it is something that would not likely occur naturally. Uh, and the entire class of coronaviruses uh, uh, viruses that include COVID-19 this CGG combination has never been found naturally. Although the double CGG is suppressed, the opposite is true in laboratory work. The insertion sequence of choice is the double CGG. That's because it is readily available and convenient and scientists have a great deal of experience inserting it. Now the damning fact, it was this exact sequence that appears in COVID-19, COVID-2. Yeah. What they're telling you here is that when you manipulate these viruses, there is a, there's a, a, almost like a, a signifier, a trademark, if you will, of that virus being manipulated, and it appears in COVID-19, according to these researchers. Now, that's not the same thing as being able to prove where the insertion was or what the technique was. That's, that's tougher. But this doesn't happen naturally. It happens, according, again, to these experts, when you induce it to happen in the virus in some way. That's pretty big stuff. And then, of course, there's the possibility that this was not only accidentally leaked, but that this wasn't just a study of a virus meant to create a greater understanding of how to prevent pandemics, but perhaps even to weaponize a virus. Here is Secretary of State Pompeo on the lab leak hypothesis and possible connections to the Chinese military. 
the more we see, the more we know. Every sign, every piece of evidence that we've seen to date continues to stack up to suggest that this did indeed come. This Wuhan virus came from the virology lab there in Wuhan. Uh, we've seen almost no evidence that supports the zoonotic theory that it somehow leapt from a bat uh, to another species. Uh, this wasn't the politically correct thing to say back in the spring of last year when I began to see evidence accumulating in that direction. Uh, what precisely happened, we don't know. But every one of those laboratories uh, that the Chinese engage in, just like, frankly, every state-owned enterprise, is operated and controlled by the People's Liberation Army or their security apparatus. That's certainly true at the Wuhan Institute of Virology as well. We don't know precisely what was taking place there because the Chinese Communist Party is covering it up and won't let us know. But there are a lot of unanswered questions about what these activities were, why they were engaged with them, were they connected to their military in any way, and if, in fact, this leak came from that laboratory. What's the real attack on science? A lot of us would say that the Fauciites were the ones guilty of it. All right. Vice President Kamala Harris is in Central America today to address what the White House calls the root causes of the border crisis that they caused. Is she going to achieve anything with this? Well, it all depends on how excited you are about photo ops. Chairman of the Texas GOP, Alan West, joins us next to discuss the latest. I've been telling you for a while now about online thieves who can easily steal your home's title. But you don't have to take my word for it. Take it from this thief who stole over 150 homes and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. This is why you need Home Title Lock. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's, it's in my name. Or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that, that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Heard enough? Don't let this crime happen to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And enter code RADIO for... The border czar finally lands in Central America. Vice President Harris is currently on the ground in Guatemala for a two-day trip to address what the White House calls the root causes of the border crisis. This is her first trip to deal with the crisis since being put in charge months ago. But it's taking place really far south of the border, which, uh, by the way, she and the president himself have yet to visit. Joining me now to discuss chairman of the Texas GOP, Alan West. Alan, good to see you. This crisis started in January. Harris, uh, I shouldn't say started, but really came to public uh, prominence in January. Harris waited until June to make her first trip to Central America. Hasn't been to the border. W where's the urgency? I mean, are, are, can we even say they're taking this crisis seriously? Well, it's good to be with you, Buck. There is no urgency. If anything, there's an obfuscation. There is a complete uh, dereliction of duty when you consider the roles and responsibilities of the president, of the vice president, to protect the sovereignty of the United States of America and the sovereignty of the great state of Texas that has a 1,200-mile border with a foreign nation, and that is Mexico. So if you really want to know the root causes of the predicament of the crisis that we're in, you just have to understand the root cause was when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were sworn into office. And they started to do by executive order, by executive action, the reversals of all the policies that were in place in the Trump administration that had secured our border and kept people south of our border. Harris met with uh, the president of Guatemala today to propose giving that country and, and the northern triangle countries, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, 
Four billion dollars, which includes, uh, I mean, th that's that's a lot of money, it seems to me. What do you think this is really going to amount to? Well, it's just going to amount to uh, fortifying the cartels. And that money will go to corrupt organizations, corrupt politicians down in Guatemala, all through that Northern Triangle, those countries. Instead, you could use those $4 billion and have it right here in the great state of Texas or in Arizona, some of the other border states, and truly complete the, uh, the wall, the barrier, make sure we have even better surveillance systems, and to uh, give the Border Patrol the assets and resources that they need as far as detainment facilities and also more Border Patrol agents and ICE agents to make sure that we get the people that have sifted through their hands back out of the country. Now, you've got $4 billion to address the root cause of migration, mobilizing private investment. We put this up on the screen before. Prioritizing poverty reduction, economic development, corruption fighting. I mean, this looks like a foreign aid list to every developing a country that we send money to all over the world for the last 30 years. How, uh, Chairman West, is any of this going to stop the hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens currently crossing into the country from into states like yours and into all the border states and finding their way into all 50 states? Well, you know, Albert Einstein said that the pure definition of insanity is to continue to do the exact same thing and think you're going to get different results. And as you just articulated, we have been sending foreign aid to these countries and look what continues to happen. The uh, the corrupt get richer and the poor get poorer and then they set sail to come to the United States of America. So this is a bad idea. And to think if you're an American taxpayer who is hearing that your taxes have to go up, to just so we can send it down south of the border to Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. What's the return on investment of this for the American citizen? Because now we're going to have to provide even more taxpayer-funded benefits to the people that are coming into this country legally on top of sending $4 billion to their home country. Uh, the Guatemalan president, and this was quoted, he was quoted in the New York Post today, uh, said the following, uh, he and President, uh, Vice President Harris are not on the same side of the coin on immigration. Uh, we asked the United States government to send more of a clear message to prevent people from leaving. The message changed too. We're going to reunite families. We're going to reunite children the very next day. The coyotes were here organizing groups of children to take them to the United States. This looks to me, uh, Chairman West, like the president of Guatemala is basically telling everybody, we got a problem here because of the Biden administration. No, that's absolutely right. And as a matter of fact, the president of Mexico has said that as well, is that as the executive orders, the policies that were implemented, or the reversal of the policies by the Trump administration. So when you talk about why has Biden and Harris not been to the southern border, they don't see it as a crisis. They see everything going exactly as they wanted it to go. Their progressive socialist leftist base wants an open borders policy. As a member, uh, you had Antifa, Black Lives Matter, some of these groups chanting no borders, no walls, no USA at all. They don't see the United States as a sovereign nation. They just see it as a piece of land in between Mexico and Canada. You mentioned Vice President Harris. She tweeted out today, our world is interconnected and interdependent. We know what happens abroad impacts security and prosperity at home. This is why I am in Guatemala today. Uh, do you think that Vice President Harris is just going to, there was some noise last week in the press that she was going to move on to voting rights and, and other issues soon. Do you think she's just going to have to leave this one on the table completely unfinished? Uh, is there going to be a political price to pay 
if the current situation at the border continues for this administration? Well, there will be a political price to pay. And what uh, Vice President Harris is doing is just checking the box. Uh, there's no real care and concern about resolving this issue. And the most important thing people need to understand, Texas is the number one state in the United States of America for human sex trafficking. And so what are we doing? We're going to send $4 billion so that it can get into the hands of the cartels and they're going to continue to traffic humans and traffic people for the purpose of the sex trade here in the United States of America, here in the state of Texas, where Houston and Dallas are the top two cities for human and sex trafficking in the United States. What are some of the challenges that you can speak to specifically in your, in your home state of Texas uh, that this wave of migration, including not only those who are gaming the asylum system, but also the tens of thousands of gotaways every month, what does it mean mm -hmm. for, for the folks in Texas? What, what's the downside? We never hear about why this is a problem from our, from our corporate media. Well, the thing is, if you go down to some of these counties, like Kenny County, that is located along the border, you go to the city of Uvalde, they will tell you they're living in a state of terror. They're living in a state of fear because the cartels are operating freely on this side of the border. You have uh, illegal immigrants going into uh, stores like a Stripes uh, a gas station or a convenience store and going into HEBs and just ransacking these, uh, these places. And they're not being arrested because furthermore, they don't have the facilities to arrest and detain these individuals down in some of these small border counties and border cities. So we're being completely overrun and people are seeing their livestock being killed. They're seeing all kinds of acts of retribution. They're seeing carjacking go up uh, even greater. And so safety and security has been affected. So once again, instead of sending $4 billion to Guatemala, let's spend that money right here to provide safety and security for honest, everyday, law-abiding citizens in the state of Texas. Chairman West, always good to see you. Thanks for sharing your perspective. Thank you. The American right was shaken to its core in so many ways by the election of Donald Trump which has led to a debate about the future direction of the conservative movement. Coming up, New York Post columnist David Marcus joins us to explain why that debate is over now. Stay with us. Are you ready for the next national disaster? If we've learned one thing recently, it's that the unthinkable can happen at any minute. The best way to ensure you survive is to prepare now with an emergency food stockpile from My Patriot Supply. They're America's preparedness leader, giving millions peace of mind for an uncertain future. But don't wait until it's too late. Act now before there's a stock market crash, more civil unrest, a natural disaster, a pandemic, or who knows? My Patriot Supply has served millions of families for over a decade, earning 39,000 four and five star reviews. Their food is specially packaged to stay fresh and delicious for 25 years. And unlike other emergency foods, each meal provides 2,000 much needed calories when you need the most. If you act now, you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Just go to preparewiththefirst.com right now to save 25% on a valuable four-week kit. That's preparewiththefirst.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. The 2016 election of President Donald Trump marked a watershed moment, not just for the nation, but more specifically for the conservative movement. Since conservatism's rise to prominence beginning in the 1950s, the movement has been defined by certain orthodoxies. Small government, strong support for military funding, and traditional values. It was the movement of William F. Buckley and Barry Goldwater. Trump's election challenged all that. Unlike conservatism of the past, his ascendancy represented the aspirations of a populist coalition more interested in reform than in adhering to old orthodoxies. So which direction will conservatism ultimately take? According to columnist David Marcus, the debate is over. In an opinion piece published on foxnews.com, Marcus writes, quote, the time for conservative deciding has passed, the decision has been made, and the conservative movement is now a populist nationalist, reform party-minded body. It matters very little if our corporate liberal media chooses to accept this. It is true. Joining us now, the author of this very insightful, provocative piece, as always, Mr. David Marcus of The Federalist. Good to see you, David. Good to see you, man. So you say the die, uh, the die have been cast at this point, and uh, the new, or the die is cast, and the new right has won. Is old conservatism dead? Yes. I, I mean, t to the extent that uh, by old conservatism, we mean Liz Cheney and, and Mitt Romney. And, and, you know, you think about his 2012 run for the presidency. It really represents the, the old con the old Republican Party that told conservative voters that they knew what was best for them uh, instead of asking the voters really what they wanted, which is what Trump did. Uh, and the reason I put Reform Party in there. Um, is that when, if you go back to the Reform Party of the 1990s, and of course Donald Trump ran uh, on the Reform Party ticket for president briefly in the year 2000, uh, it was very populist. It, it was very suspicious of trade deals. It was very suspicious of foreign entanglements. It was very suspicious of immigration. Um, and then you had another figure, Pat Buchanan, who was a real culture warrior. You put those forces together, you have something that looks a lot like the new right. In your piece, you identify a coalition, what you actually call a periodic table of the elements of the new right. It includes border hawks, the anti-media Catholics, anti-identitarians, the fringe, and the torchbearers. Take us through, I mean, I'm sure this is the beginning of what will be a very excellent book, David, down the line, but take us through in shorthand form what these groups are, how they play together, and what, are, what they mean. Yeah, so I mean, the the border hawks are are sort of what I just described. I mean, the 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 central premise of Trump's presidency was build the wall, and it had not only to do with the wall with Mexico, um, but not getting embroiled in bad trade deals, trying to build things in the United States. Um, the anti media, 
uh, is outlets like the Federalist, the Daily Wire, the Post Millennial, people like you, people like Tucker Carlson, who believe that the mainstream media is consistently lying um, and who go, you know, who try to expose those lies. Yeah. Uh, the Catholics, the Catholics represent a sort of common good approach to conservatism that's less worried about small government and more worried about making sure that toddlers aren't being entertained in public libraries by drag queens. Uh, the anti-identitarians are anti-critical race theory, uh, you know, all, all of those sort of um, identity issues that we have. The fringe is, is, is a tricky one because that's some people in right-wing media who haven't always been accepted by the mainstream, who I argue should be, um, because I think they play an important role. And finally, the torchbearers are the politicians, the people like DeSantis, the, the people like Cruz who are going to, to carry this message forward uh, in the halls of power. What does this new right want? I mean, there, you talked about all these different factions that have the specific goals in mind that, that are their primary motivator, let's say. But overall, when you put them all together, what does this new coalition of the right, if it is able to achieve uh, electoral victories in the midterms and then in the next presidential, what are they trying to do for the country? Ultimately, I, I think it's primarily cultural. I mean, I, I think that uh, what led to Trump's rise and, and what led people to, to finally have enough and say that they, they would try a new form of conservatism is seeing what's happening in the schools, you know, seeing situations where, you know, trans children, you know, maybe, you know, involved in surgeries and, and medications and, and just in general seeing what's happening to our society. And yeah, I, I think that the orthodoxy of small government um, isn't good enough anymore. I mean, you, you look at big tech and, and the establishment old school conservatives say, Yo, you know, it's, all, it's awful, but there's really nothing we can do. Well, I mean, that's not good enough. You know, we can't just file a few lawsuits as the country goes to hell. Um, so I, they want to fight. I mean, that was the joke about Trump. He fights. They want to fight. That's a big difference from what we've seen with the gently and in gentlemanly fashion losing GOP attitude of the past. Do you think that there's any plan here to reestablish ascendancy for, for what you could call, I suppose, the the Bush Cheney or the, the, the Cheneyite wing of the GOP? Is, is there any real hope for them? How, how are they going to try to wrestle back control? Because there are certainly a few elements out there that still carry that torch. I mean, they're going to go on CNN and MSNBC. And I, I have to watch a lot of CNN. And, you know, just today, brave every hour, thank you, every hour in the first five minutes, they had a, a story on Liz Cheney. Why? Liz Cheney's a backbencher. Liz Cheney's probably going to lose her primary. We know the reason why, because they want to pretend that there's this civil war in the GOP that simply flat out doesn't exist. So my advice, and I hope I'm able to take it, is I had to mention all these people in order to write this piece. I don't want to mention them again. When I see these annoying tweets from the Lincoln Project or whatever, I intend to ignore them, and I would urge other people to uh, do that as well. Let MSNBC give these people their oxygen. We don't have to do it. What do you think are the primary uh, nodes of, of political attack that we should expect from this, from this new right that Trump really, well, let's just call it, it's really Trumpism, right? I mean, if we're going to define well, what you're talking about is essentially the Trump coalition of different uh, groups that came together that delivered a victory in 2016. I think there was some fracturing among them in part because of the pandemic and Fauciism, but also because some aspects of the Trump agenda were not implemented by the Trump administration, if we're being honest about what happened and what was accomplished 
in the first four years. So what does that look like uh, going forward? H- how do we uh, expect that those different groups, the anti-media, the Catholics, anti-identitarians, will have most fruitful lines of criticism against the Biden-Harris, which is really just Obama 3.0? I mean, I, I think we're clearly seeing it at the, at the border uh, now where so many Americans are frustrated by, by what they're seeing because it's, it's just obvious what happened. I, I mean, the Biden administration threw up a green light and people came. Now, now they're trying to turn the, the light yellow maybe, but uh, that's not working either. So, you know, the border is going to be a big one. Again, the trade deals will be big. Uh, but just in general, I think that they're going to demand that politicians be responsive to them. Uh, the Republican voters don't want to hear about how awful Donald Trump is. And if that's the only thing that you're able to say, uh, you're not going to get their votes. David Marcus, good to see you from the Federalist, my man. Uh, is this the way before we let you go? Is this the beginning of a book? I smell a book. Let me let me get let me get the current one out first, but I but maybe we'll see we'll see. Uh, down yeah, the line. we got. When are you coming uh, on to talk the new book? When is it out? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday it's out. So yeah, well, we'll be talking about it. I hope we we're on your media tour, sir. So yes, we'll be in touch. Of All right, thank you, sir. Good to see you. A rise in violent crime is turning major cities across the country into the modern day equivalent of the Wild West. It feels like when you look at the headlines. After the break, New York City mayoral candidate Curtis Sliwa joins us to explain how he plans on bringing law and order to the Big Apple. Another violent weekend in New York City. Police arresting nearly two dozen people after clashes broke out over a curfew in Washington Square Park. This all happening while a 10-year-old boy was shot right down the street in a drive-by shooting. Is this a preview of what could be a very violent summer in New York City? People are worried about it. Here with reaction is someone who's trying to turn the Big Apple back into the largest safe city in America. Curtis Sliwa, New York City mayoral candidate and founder of the Guardian Angels. I mean, Curtis, here's just a a sense of where we are, as you know, as a a fellow New Yorker. Uh, Here's the cover of the New York Post. My boy was killed over a driveway. Dad's anguish over slain 12-year-old boy killed with gunfire over the weekend. What is going on in this city? It feels like some people don't yet believe that the bad old days are coming back. Well, I was at the location yesterday. It's in a place called Far Rockaway, which is a killing field, uh, in which there is retaliatory shootings by gangs, competing gangs, Bloods, Crips. So they have shootings at one another. And if someone hits someone from the other gang, then they retaliate. There's no uh, intervention any longer by the NYPD. They're not permitted to. They're not permitted to do stop and frisk. They're not permitted to stop cars. So the gangs are just going back and forth as if it's the Hatfields and McCoys. And actually, most times when gangs are shooting at what they think are other gangs, it's innocent people like this 10-year-old boy and his family who end up becoming the victims. And we have a mayor. I call him Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope who's completely disconnected, and the Democrats who have created this scenario with their no-bail laws in the state capitol and the way they've rendered our police department uh, as being completely impotent now, incapable of responding to this soaring violence in the streets. What do you think has led to this spike? Because for a while, Curtis, we were being told in New York, and this is true in cities across the country, which have seen major increases in shootings and homicides, double digit, 50, 60, some of them 70% or more increases year over year in shootings and murders. 
What do you think is the cause of it in New York City over the last, it's really the last 12 months directly? Well, there's no doubt. If you look at the, uh, the person who is leading the charge, it's AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her Democratic Socialists of America, her justice warriors, who want to defund the police, defund prisons, who want no bail, and basically have turned the streets into a criminal's delight in which the deck is stacked. The cops, they've been handcuffed. They can't do anything. They stripped from the cops what what doctors and lawyers now have to get, uh, malpractice insurance. They now want cops to have their own personal malpractice insurance. It doesn't happen with elected officials, uh, officials, judges, district attorneys. Can you imagine what a cop is thinking? He's not making that much money to begin with. But now he can be personally sued, whereas the mayor, or look at Governor Cuomo, who's responsible for thousands of elderly dying when he imposed an executive order that transferred, uh, transferred the elderly from hospitals who had COVID-19 into long-term care facilities. He can't be sued personally. He's culpable and responsible. We have to pay his, his legal bills. But police officers have to get their own police malpractice insurance. First off, where are they going to get it? And why would cops now want to take a chance of doing physical interventions? So everything has been stacked uh, in the deck of the criminals, and they're taking advantage of it. Curtis, uh, you told me right before the show that you spent some time in the largest subway in the country, which is where working class folks, I mean, you know, people that are having to pay their bills, having to show up to jobs, and as you and I both know, They've been doing it for the most part for many months, some of them uninterrupted for the last year of the pandemic, but they still have to take that subway to get to work. They still have to have to keep showing up. What's it like down there on the subways when it comes to safety, security? It's Dante's Inferno. And remember, I was uh, birthed in the subways. I've been riding the subways since I was five by myself. I'm the only candidate who rides the subways all the time. The others, they just do it for a photo op. So you have these constant assaults, you have robberies, you have sexual assaults, you have many women being pushed into oncoming trains. As you can see in this confrontation here, uh, no, no police response whatsoever. Cameras in every station so we can clearly define who the, the people responsible are, but there's no follow-up, there's no arrest, there's no prosecution, there's no bail. So that's why I call it Dante's Inferno, and the temperatures are in the 90s. So I was down there for about six hours today, because that's where I do my campaigning. I'm dealing with the emotionally disturbed persons who should not be in the subway living there. Homeless people shouldn't be in the subway li living there. They got to be taken out. And the strap hangers themselves, who are always looking over their back, wondering if they're going to be a victim of a criminal. This city will never recover. It will never resurrect itself until their safe streets safe subways and safe parks. And that's what, what I've done for 42 years with the Guardian Angels here and all over the world. I know how to do it. And I'll do it uh, in even a better way than Rudy did it when he was elected into office in 1993 under similar circumstances. What is the status of, the, of Cy Vance, the district attorney and the prosecutorial wing of the city government with all this? Are, are they, I mean, de Blasio, you and I both know, is a clown, and we can't get rid of him soon enough. I say that on the show all the time. Cy Vance, I mean, do these guys not realize what they're doing to this city? Are they just cowards? No, they have eyes only for Donald Trump, his family, his family's business holdings. As you know, 
They've taken what was uh, a civil prosecution now, potentially to a criminal prosecution. They're conducting grand jury hearings. And remember, it's a double header. It's not just Cy White Shoes Vance. It's also Tish James, who is the state attorney general. They don't go after criminals. They strip police of their rights to arrest criminals. And the only person that they have in an electron uh, microscope with red dye on him is Donald Trump and his family members and his business interests. They intend to get indictments. It's the only reason they're in office. But when it comes to doing the people's work of locking up the uh, criminals and demanding them to jail no bail, they've abandoned ship. They're MIA on the people of New York City. You said we could turn this around and give us a, a one-minute version of how you make New York City the city that it was five, ten years ago, which really was, for its size, quite safe. All I got to do is scream out, hey, it's Giuliani time, a second time. It's Giuliani time. Don't think you're going to commit crime. The smallest violation, and we're taking you to jail, and you're not going to have no bail. That's for sure. You're going to do time for your crime. That's how Rudy Giuliani rescued this city. I was right at his side when he was doing that. I've learned from the best, and I'll be doing exactly the same thing with a few changes because times have changed from 1993 to the era we're in now in 2021. Curtis, I hope you can do it. I hope they give you a shot. I love this town, and I hate seeing it slip down into the depths of despair, but I know you're the man for the job. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Remember, I can go into neighborhoods where they, uh, the only Republican they know is Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill, but they know Curtis Cleo. I got street, street credit. I'm a legend to them. Don't listen. I hear you. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Anytime. After the break, CNN's Brian Stelter slobbers over White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. We'll have embarrassing video of that and more in Quick Hits up next. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust Call them right now, 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. 
I love my Skims Wireless Form Bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Brian Stelter is just so in love with this White House. The Democrats still want you to stay locked up in your house, apparently. Speaking of houses, we've got those stories and quick hits. Let's get right to it. I mean, if we're going to talk about softballs in the press room or just with this whole theory that journalism is somehow in America really about speaking truth to power, holding them accountable, getting us answers. You know, this is what the corporate media says says they do. And then you get an opportunity to actually see them in action like this, where you have Brian Stelter, who has, I think, a job in TV because he looks like a slightly younger version, maybe not even, of Jeff Zucker. Uh, but he, he gets an opportunity to speak to Jen Psaki. And what he wants to know about the primary mouthpiece for the most powerful man in the world, which is technically what Joe Biden is, as astonishing as that may be, uh, here is him trying to get the, he's trying to get the answers they don't want to give by asking Jen Psaki, how can we be uh, better at making you look awesome? Jen, thanks for coming on Reliable Sources. My pleasure. Busy summer ahead, infrastructure, election reform. What does the press get wrong when covering Biden's agenda? When you watch the news, when you read the news, what do you think we get wrong? What do you think we get wrong? How can we be better at our job of making your administration look good, Jen? Please tell us, because, you know, we're really here to call balls and strikes. Our, our purpose on this earth is to bring the truth to the people by making sure that it's first scrubbed by the DNC talking points machine. Or I guess maybe that's what CNN is. They just want to make sure they're aligned and they're sorry if they've ever failed to be proper promoters of the Biden agenda, because that's what CNN exists to do now. That, that is its purpose, CNN DNC. Speaking of this administration, where was the mention yesterday on the anniversary of D-Day and uh, brave allied soldiers landing on the beaches of Normandy and the beginning of the end of that Nazi regime on the Western Front where was the mention of that from this White House? Well, let's ask this White House or see what happens when they're asked. Presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump all commemorated D-Day anniversaries on D-Day, on the D-Day anniversary. Why didn't President Biden? Well, I can tell you that certainly the uh, val his value for the role that men and uh, the men who served uh, on D-Day uh, and the memory of them, uh, the families who have uh, kept their memories uh, alive over the course of years on this day is something the president has spoke to many, many times in the past. Um, it's close to his heart, uh, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more we would have to say on it. No answer. You know, there's no explanation, really. You know, I don't know, he's Biden. Now, I would admit that Biden's kind of forgetful is a fair answer to any question like this. But what does that tell us? 
What, what is that really saying? I think you have to dig into it a little bit. Uh, so Liberty Energy CEO is a guy named Chris Wright. This story didn't get that much attention. We like to sometimes bring you stories, bring you things that you won't see elsewhere. It's one of the things we do here on the show. So Liberty Energy uh, wanted, wanted to let everybody know that he's annoyed about North Face because they refused, North Face refused to make. Some of these companies will have these jackets that are, uh, you know, branded for the company. So you'll get, you know, a, a Patagonia fleece that says Morgan Stanley on it or something, right? They'll, they'll have runs of these. And it's just, it's just like monogramming your shirts, but instead it's the business instead of the individual's name usually. Um, North Face refused to do this for an oil and gas firm named Liberty Energy. So here's what the CEO said. Play it. I went through North Face's website of wide-ranging products, and I failed to find a single product that wasn't made out of oil and gas. The great majority of North Face's products, jackets, backpacks, outdoor pants, shirts, shoes, hats, etc., are dominantly made out of the oil and gas that we so proudly produce. Globally, 60% of all clothing fibers are made out of oil and gas. For North Face, it is likely 90% or more. So North Face is not only an extraordinary customer of the oil and gas industry, they are also a partner with the oil and gas industry. So thank you, North Face, and you're welcome. You're welcome, North Face. It's amazing how virtue signaling, it almost crosses the wires in someone's brain where they can't think rationally. They just have to get that virtue signaled. They never take any time to think a little bit more about it. Oh, speaking of not being able to think rationally about situations, uh, there's a clear partisan bent to uh, Fauciism, stay-at-homeism, mask mania. Re- most recent Gallup poll, this was stunning. Despite the high vaccination rates and everything else going on right now in the country and the plummeting cases and deaths from COVID, 71% of Democrats still stay at home. Only 29% are leading normal lives. All right. You've got independents, 64% leading normal lives. Republicans, 87% leading normal lives. So independents and Republicans are basically normal. Democrats are crazy. This is what this is telling you. Okay. Because the CDC, all the science, all the actual experts are in agreement now you know, you, you're, if you're vaccinated, you're pretty much okay. Don't worry about it anymore. Go, go live your life. That's really where we are. But Democrats, no, no, they, they can't accept it. They're, they just, they need Fauci like a little security blanket to keep them safe and warm at night. It's pretty pathetic, isn't it? That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.